Wake up. It's the Sleep Unplugged podcast, episode 88, weighted blankets, pushing down on me, pressing down on you. Welcome everyone to the Sleep Unplugged podcast. My name is Dr. Chris Winter. I'm a neurologist and sleep specialist and your host for this episode of the podcast. If you're new to the Sleep Unplugged family, welcome. If you are a veteran of the podcast, Welcome back. We are glad you are here. It's been a busy week. I was recently up in Philly talking to young sleep specialists from Penn, Jefferson, and Temple, and they couldn't have been better. I have seen the future of sleep, and it is good. In fact, I was talking to a young Penn resident who's going to finish up his sleep fellowship and head off to Wharton Business School and thought, damn, that guy's going to take my job one day or I'll be working for him one day, I'm sure. Um, it was great to spend time with them. We had a big discussion about narcolepsy and it was really wonderful. I love being able to interact with young sleep specialists and the folks in the Philadelphia area are in great hands. Appreciate you all having me. So last week we talked about sleep masks and we did some polls online for, are you using sleep masks? Do you not use them? Do you use them occasionally? We also challenged you all to try a sleep mask for a couple of weeks. I've been getting some comments from people who are using sleep masks and we'll talk about those in the upcoming weeks. I did want to give the poll numbers really quickly. Then And it was interesting, I put a poll on Twitter and a poll on Instagram. If you want to interact with the show, we do all of our content on Instagram and Twitter. That's DR Chris Winter Instagram and DR Chris Winter Twitter. We have TikTok and Blue Sky and Threads pages, but the Instagram and Twitter are the ones we use the most. And it was interesting that 31% of people who listen to the show and interacted on our social media always wear a sleep mask. 27% occasionally. So I wear one. I posted some pictures of me flying to Philly, wearing my Manta mask, and 42% never use the mask. So I thought that was really interesting. And the percentage breakdown on Twitter, and again, this isn't a statistically significant, this could be within the air of the, but there were a lot of votes. The number of people who always use sleep masks was much higher on Twitter than it was Instagram, which I thought was pretty interesting. We always start our show off with comments, corrections, criticisms. We have a YouTube page. So if you like to watch videos, we always post our content on YouTube. And we're gonna have some really exciting YouTube content coming up because I'm going to film a couple episodes of the podcast on location in the various interesting places. And we'll have more information on that coming up. Uh, we had a writer uh, or a listener for the podcast, Don't Fall For Me, commented, for a girl like me, this is probably the most embarrassing thing to have. And she's talking about our somnoloquy uh, episode. I only noticed it thanks to my partner. And he says the noises are horrible and I feel so bad for him. Uh, thanks for commenting about that. It's, it is a difficult thing to talk about. It is a difficult thing for people to experience. It can be embarrassing and that's why we put the episode on some look out there to help people get some more information about the topic. A couple viewers wrote some, uh, listeners wrote some questions through our, in, our Instagram page. Yvonne wrote, please do an episode on advanced phase sleep disorder. 
I start falling asleep around 6.30 and I am wide ass awake at 2 a.m. It's affecting me mentally and physically. I need your help. Thanks for your time, Yvonne. Yvonne, we are definitely going to do a circadian advanced and delayed sleep phase episode. I think we could probably do both in one episode, even though they're kind of polar opposites. You're talking about advanced sleep phase where you fall asleep a little bit too early. Your teenage son is falling asleep way too late and getting up too late and has delayed sleep phase. So we will definitely do an episode on that soon, Yvonne. I really appreciate you tuning in and listening. One more from Goodnight Dan. Goodnight Dan wrote, Hi, Dr. Winter, long-time listener, first-time caller here. I actually met you back in 2016 when you came and did a talk at the Naval Hospital at Camp Pendleton. Been a huge fan ever since. Anyway, I'm writing because I'm curious to hear the rest of your story about the TV show you were supposed to star in. You didn't actually finish the story. So the story, Dan, is we did it. We shot the pilot. I thought it was really fun. It was uh, a pilot about a sleep specialist working in a sleep lab in a hospital in a hotel, which is where our sleep center used to be. And so it was just, the whole pilot of the show was about the interaction between the sleep doctor who had sleep problems of his own. I was the actor who they tapped to do the show. And it was funny because the guy asked me today, do you act? Because he had heard my podcast and seen me on YouTube. I said, no, not at all. And he said, well, you'd be really good at it, baby. Well, that is to be to be determined. But anyway, so the show was the shot. It was really interesting. You know, they had an episode where one of the patients was sleepwalking in the hotel and got on the hotel elevator, went down to the pool and just started swimming around naked. And they shot all this stuff in the hotel. It was really incredible. And the actors were great. I was so out of my depth, no pun intended. It had a really moody, eerie kind of feel, and it never went anywhere. So, Dan, I have no idea where that pilot is, but if I find it, I promise I will post it for all to see. So let's get into the show. Before we do, we have our Spotify playlist. We put all the music we reference in the show on the Spotify playlist. This was a tough one for me. I almost chose Collective Soul, uh, their song Heavy, and All Your Weight pushes down... All your weight comes down on me, comes down on you or whatever. Um, but I, I couldn't resist using David Bowie and Queens under pressure. So we've done David Bowie. We talked about him in episode 14. We've talked about Queen. That was episode 41, I believe. And so I thought it was, it was okay that we could do this because this is actually David Bowie and Queen. They both shared the band and David Bowie both shared writing credits for the song. They got together in 81, were just messing around, playing cover songs in a studio. And David Bowie said, this is dumb. Why don't we write our own song here? You know, And so they did. They started writing their own song. And initially it was called People on the Streets. That was the name of the song. And so when you listen to the song and knowing that information, you kind of get it. Because they say people on the streets a lot in the song. And eventually it became under pressure. The bass riff. A lot of people attribute to John Deacon, the bassist of the band, who actually came up with the, the bass riff for Another One Bites the Dust. But it was actually David Bowie who came up with the bass riff for the song. So they recorded it in 81 and released it. It was very successful. Queen later released it on their 10th studio album, Hot Space. And it was actually Queen's number two. Uh, it, was the, it was the second number one hit for Queen. 
somebody to love, I believe was their first one, or maybe Bohemia Rhapsody. Can't remember. And it was David Bowie's third UK number one hit. He'd had fame was the number one hit in 75 in the United States, but in the UK space oddity was a hit in 75 and then ashes to ashes, 1980. And this was his third number one hit and little trivia. Queen is the only group to have all four of its members write a number one song. Freddie Mercury wrote Bohemian Rhapsody, Someone to Love, We Are the Champions, Crazy Little Thing Called Love. Brian May wrote the song. Remember Flash Gordon? So he wrote Flash, and it was number one in, in some country. Uh, John Deacon wrote, again, Another One Bites the Dust, and I Want to Break Free off of one of their later albums. And then Roger Taylor, the drummer, who really had negative things to say about the recording of Under Pressure. He said, we were pigheaded. David Bowie was pigheaded. We barely made it through this song. Everybody kind of compromised in terms of what they wanted. And then they never did another recording together again. Although there is another song called like Crazy Cat or Soul Cat. It's got the word cat in it. And David Bowie was part of it. And David Bowie disliked it so much that when Queen released it, he had them take his vocals out of the song. I can't remember the name of that song. I'll, I'll remember it later on. But Roger Taylor wrote the number one song, Radio Gaga, which is actually where Lady Gaga got her name. So there you go. Under Pressure, we'll add it to the Spotify playlist, uh, Sleep Unplugged Playlist Volume 2. You can listen to all the music we talk about on there. So Weighted Blankets. This is an interesting one. We've talked about Weighted Blankets before, again, on our Holiday Gift Guide. This was, we mentioned, I think, in both Holiday Gift Guides, Weighted Blankets. And I really felt like the weighted blanket needed its own show, its own podcast, because it's they're really popular. There's a lot of information out there about them. And I think that can be really helpful for a lot of people. And they're one of those great products that combine a lot of potential for benefit, very little risk, and to some degree, very little cost. So in other words, if you invest in the weighted blanket, worst case scenario, you have a weighted blanket that you can use or other people can use. Um, so I was really interested in the Barabee blanket, mainly to be perfectly honest, because number one, I have restless leg syndrome and I had you know, sort of heard anecdotally that they could be helpful for people with RLS. And number two, I love the way they look. And I remember watching Top Chef one year and every time the chefs would, you know, they would present their meals to the judges, they would go back to this room and sit around and wait for the judges and Padme to, to, um, uh, to deliberate. And in the back of that room were all these Star Hill Brewery uh, six packs of beer. And it was just kind of throwaway, like it was part of the set. And I remember thinking that is the best advertising ever. And I know Star Hill very well because it's sort of a native of Charlottesville, Virginia. Star Hill Brewery is sort of located there. I think it's owned by Corn Capshaw, Dave Matthews' manager. Dave Matthews has property in our neighborhood up there. I mean, so it's a very Dave Matthews, Corn Capshaw kind of place. So everybody knows about Star Hill. So thinking about that, if you watch TV lot and I consume a fair amount, you start noticing Barbie blankets in, in things. My wife was watching some show like uh, Virgin River, I think. I could be wrong. It was something like that. Like kind of those little soap operas that come out every six months or whatever. And it's kind of ambient television. 
And there was a Barbie blanket right across somebody's bed. I think I'm remembering that correctly, but you just see them a lot because they're kind of beautiful. So I have two in my background right here. So Barbie was kind enough to send me blankets, but they're not, you know, in any other way sponsoring the show. I'm free to say that, you know, Barbie blankets are awesome or they're terrible. We're not under any sort of contractual obligation here, but I want to, to, to thank Barbie for sending these because not only do I want to talk about them, I use the hell out of these things. And so every now and then I will get restlessness and restless leg. And we'll talk about that later in the show. And I will just go into the guest bedroom, grab one of these blankets, throw it on top of me. And I find it really helpful for restless legs. So let's talk about that. Why would that be? What is it about a weighted blanket that's potentially therapeutic? And that probably goes back to the way the brain perceives touch and maybe more specifically pressure. So I'm not going to dive into all the neuroanatomy that we learned when I was a neurology resident, but it's really cool. If you're ever bored, just Wikipedia touch or Wikipedia, um, the, the sense, the, um, the, um, sense, the sensory nerves or something like that. So when we interact with our environment, touch is one of our most important senses. And touch is not just touch. Touch is broken down into a lot of things. So touch encompasses temperature. It encompasses sort of light touch. It encompasses feeling vibrations. It encompasses feeling pain. And it also encompasses feeling pressure. All of those things are carried differently by nerves. And in a lot of cases, carried by completely separate nerves on completely separate tracks. And the reason that's important as a neurologist is you're a neurologist in the hospital and you're on call and you get a call, hey, it's the emergency room, somebody's been in a, a, you know, an accident, they've cut themselves or they've hurt themselves in some way, they've been in a car accident. And you go down there and they're saying, I can't feel my hand. And so as you start to interrogate them, it is a terrible word, just you start asking them questions and, and evaluating them, we're using different things like tuning forks and little sterile needles and things like that to figure out, okay, well, this person hasn't lost feeling completely. They can feel deep pressure here, or they can feel on these first two fingers fine, but these other three fingers are not doing very well. So as you start to figure out what can feel and where they can feel it, and knowing the pathways of these nerves, you can say, well, since this person can sense temperature, but they're struggling with vibration, I know exactly where the lesion is because there's only one lesion that could create this pattern of sensory distribution. So that's a long-winded explanation, but it's a fascinating thing that neurologists are really good at, figuring out where the lesion is based upon sensory patterns. And one of the sensory patterns we look for is pressure. And pressure tends to be transmitted through a, a part of our nervous system called our posterior columns or medial lemniscus is the name of it. And it's responsible for transmitting pressure and position, meaning that if you, if, if you put your finger out and you close your eyes and I lift your finger or lower your finger, you can tell what's going on even though you can't see your finger. And that has to do with sort of positional sense. It's very important for balance. You know, when you're standing up, your, your legs and body have to assume and understand where our position is in space or, or we fall. It's sometimes called proprioception. 
But pressure is transmitted through what are called Merkel corpuscles, end organs, or sometimes called Merkel discs. Also, your free nerve ending has some degree of pressure sensation in it as well, too. So when something is being pushed, not to pain, but being pushed, we can sense that pressure. So I was always taught when you pick up an egg, that's really, really important in terms of relying on our ability to sense pressure. Because if we pick up the egg and we're pushing too hard, we break it. If we're picking up the egg, but we're not pushing hard enough, we drop it. So that ability to sense the pressure that you're exerting with your fingertips on the egg is extremely important. So pressure does all kinds of things in our bodies besides allowing us to pick up eggs before we make our omelet. It's also really important for the sensation of comfort. And I don't think that's any more apparent than when you have a little baby and the baby's upset. What do you do? You have an adult who's upset. What would you do in that situation? Well, the baby, you might swaddle it. So you wrap it up in a blanket really tight and you end up with this little burrito looking thing with the baby head on top. And suddenly the baby is very calm because it's not only recreating the sensation of being in utero, but that full body uniform pressure is very calming. What do we do with an adult who's having a bad day and feeling pretty upset? If you were to write it on paper, the directions be approach sad individual, number one, approach sad individual. Number two, put arms around sad individual. Number three, squeeze, not too much to convey a sense of aggression, but enough to create a sense of comfort. I mean, it's a really interesting thing when you think about hugging, right? Kind of like a handshake. People do it too hard. My father-in-law his handshake is too hard and he's a big guy. So he like crushes my hand every time. So it's like this, it's like a, it's like a, it's a duel when we, when we, when we shake hands, I got to squeeze. Cause if, it, if you don't squeeze back, your hand is crushed. So you've got to be ready for that hand. It's a, it's a man cowboy handshake, right? But there's also people who have the, the limp fish, you know, the little cold fish. That's terrible too. Like, where they're not doing anything. You just kind of a little dead hand in your palm. It, it, it's it's a it's a it's a it's an art, isn't it? The perfect handshake. Well, the hugging is like that too. So as we give the perfect hug or we swaddle the perfect baby, we comfort somebody with pressure, and that's really foundational to what's going on with the weighted blanket. There may be some other mechanisms of play too that we'll talk about in a minute, but that that's really what we're talking about. So, weighted blanket sort of burst upon the scene in mainly the autism community. And sensory integration, um, some degree of anxiety, these things sort of became a therapeutic tool. And there was a 2017 study um, entitled The Immediate Effects of Deep Pressure on Young People with Autism and Severe Intellectual Difficulties Demonstrating Individual Differences. And so this study actually looked at if you, you know, if you're the laying on of hands and applying deep pressure, how this really does alleviate anxiety in this population of individuals in a pretty effective way. And so that led to a 2020 study um, from Denver. It was called Weighted Blanket Use, a Systematic, systemic, systematic Review. So it was kind of a meta-analysis. They looked at a, a bunch of studies. Eight were included in the final analysis. 
And they basically said, look, weighted blankets may be appropriately appropriate therapeutic tools to use for reducing anxiety. However, in that particular analysis, they didn't have enough evidence to understand its role with insomnia. So they basically said, we don't have enough evidence to say one way or the other. But in anxiety disorders, absolutely. And there is something really calming about that. I don't know, when you go get dental x-rays and they put the big lead apron on you, I find that remarkably calming. Now, not everybody does. It's really interesting. I, I've probably mentioned before, I keep, I keep a little weighted blanket in my clinical office. And sometimes I'll just, you know, hey, you want to try this out? And I'll just put it on my patient while we're talking. And it's interesting how some people really respond positively and other people are like, mm, this is not for me. So when we're focusing specifically on sleep and, and, and maybe specifically on insomnia at this point, all comers, there's a 2022 journal, uh, uh, journal article in the Journal of Clinical Sleep Medicine entitled A Randomized Controlled Study of Weighted Chain Blankets for Insomnia in psychiatric disorders. Now, this was a Swedish study. I love Sweden, man. I just finished watching Love is Blind Sweden. And man, it's a beautiful country. I don't know if you've you watched this show, but they eventually, these, pe these people couple up and then they head off to these apartments. This apartment complex that they are set up in is unlike anything ever. It is gorgeous. And the scenes of Stockholm are just amazing. So I'm just kind of, and I watched Borgen. Did you ever watch Borgen? That kind of political thriller set in Copenhagen. So I'm just super into Scandinavia right now and really want to see the Northern Lights too. All right, we're getting we're getting outside of ourselves here. Uh, don't want to upset certain listeners. Uh, so basically this said that weighted blankets for insomnia and sleep-related daytime symptoms with major depression, bipolar disorder, general anxiety disorder, attention deficit disorder. So that was the population they were looking at. So they looked at 120 subjects and they were either randomized to a weighted metal check, a chain metal blanket. So I'm thinking like Knights of the Round Table, chain mail, that kind of thing, or the same structure, but just made out of plastic chain. And they were given these for four weeks. That's a pretty long study for something like this, for a month. So they used the insomnia severity index, which we've talked about. We've talked specifically about the insomnia severity index in a previous, um, I think it was assessing for insomnia, that, that episode. They looked at the fatigue severity inventory, which we also talked about as well too when you're in, in the episode when we're talking about tired, being differentiating sleepy tired from fatigue tired. Um, there was some dis, uh, anxiety scales, depression scales, et cetera. So at four weeks, I'm going to read from the study, there was a significant advantage in insomnia severity index ratings for the weighted blanket, that's the metal blanket, over the light blanket with a large effect size. So they're not only saying, look, this is not only statistically significant, but it's a pretty big gap here. The intervention by the weighted blanket resulted in a significantly better sleep maintenance, so they stayed asleep better, higher daytime activity level, and reduced daytime sleep symptoms of fatigue, depression, and anxiety. There were no serious adverse events, meaning people trapped under the metal blanket or tetanus. I don't, I don't know what the... Serious adverse event would be. Um, that's a joke. I don't, I don't know where tetanus came from. Um, 
so there was no uh, serious adverse and and during a 12 month open follow up phase of the study participants continuing to use weighted blankets maintained that effect on their sleep while patients who switched from a light to a weighted blanket experienced an effect on their insomnia severity index similar to that of the people who started off with the heavy blanket. So if you were randomized to the little cheap plastic lightweight blanket and you switched to the heavy blanket, you got the effects on your sleep as well too, which is really fascinating to me. And I believe it. When I pull that thing out and put it on me, I, I tend to sleep really well. So why would this be helpful? What, what's going on here? I, I think it's a combination of anxiety relief. I think it's a combination of pressure, like truly stimulating those nerves and that nerve cre creating a parasympathetic increase. So when we think about sympathetic tone, that's like fight or flight. Walking through the woods, beautiful day, and there's a bear. And what do you feel? Your pupils get big, your heart rate, oh my God, it's a bear. What do we do? Is, it, is that the thing where you put your hands up and try to act big or you, you be really still or you don't make eye contact? I always forget like, Bear encounter, shark encounter, wildcat encounter, stray dog encounter. I got to bone up on. Maybe we'll do a podcast on animal encounters because I would think not knowing that information might affect your sleep. Anyway, so the but the the, the third theory. So outside of anxiety and pressure, while these things might be working, I believe it was Sherry Ma. If it wasn't, and it was somebody, if you're listening and you shared this with me and I'm remembering this wrong, but I believe it was Sherry Ma who shared a study with me back in back last year in the Journal of Sleep Research. It was called A Weighted Blanket Increases Pre-Sleep Salivary Concentrations of Melatonin in Young Healthy Adults. So this was a study where individuals who used a weighted blanket showed... Um, an increase in their salivary melatonin level from baseline. And it was big. So if you were using the weighted blanket prior to going to bed and when you were asleep, you were experiencing a 32% increase in melatonin secretion versus not using it. However, and this is important, there were no other significant differences found in the weighted blanket, non-weighted blanket population including subjective sleepiness and sleep duration. This was 15 men, 11 women. It was a crossover study. So you, when you were, you were wearing the, using the blanket, had your melatonin tested, then you went to the, the arm where you weren't using. The people who weren't using switched over to where they were using it. So it was a kind of a crossover design. So a 32% higher in, you know, increase in melatonin, I can't say this with absolute certainty, my guess is that's beating the hell out of the gummy bear you put in your mouth. And again, we've talked about melatonin is not a sleep aid. It's a sleep timing aid. So what could be going on here is that novel sensation of the weighted blanket. In addition to you being in your bed with your tinsel sheets or your linen sheets you've bought from bed, bed gear that we talked about in the last episode, and the pillow that you love, the sleepy's pillow you picked up from Mattress Firm, and the special pajamas you wear from, you know, whatever, whatever um, pajama company that you you like to wear, you know, whatever you've got going on that that Eberjay, those are the ones that I tend to like when I wear. So, so when you have all those things kind of creating those sensory inputs, the feel of the Eberjays, the feel of the sheets, feel of the pillow, the feel of the mattress, 
and you put that weighted blanket on, it might just be more of a stimulation of all of the things to get yourself ready for your brain thinking, oh, it's time to sleep now because I'm feeling and seeing and smelling and tasting and hearing all these things. So really fascinating um, research. Now, why else, why might somebody want to use a weighted blanket there there's studies looking at a lot of you know hospitalization you know people who are in hospitals and the anxiety surrounding that and procedures somewhat similar to the sleep masks we talked about in the last episode there was a 2022 study showing that individuals who used weighted blankets seem to do better related to chronic pain there's also a study looking at weighted blankets in terms of chemotherapy so what are the why, what blankets do you need to use and what are the ways you buy them? Again, we're talking with, we're talking about Baraby blankets in this episode, just because it's the one, the ones that I use and I have a whole bunch of them and they were kind enough to send us a few. So, you know, Baraby comes in three different kinds. There is a cotton, there is a tinsel and we've talked about it, cotton tinsel and then more of like a velvet uh, sort of uh, feel. And we talked about these materials in the episode on bedding. That was episode 86. And one of the downsides that a lot of people talk about with weighted blankets are, I love it, but I live down in Sarasota, Florida, and it's pretty hot. And I don't like this hot, heavy weighted blanket on me. Well, what the greatest thing about the, the Barbie blankets are, and if you're on the YouTube page, you can see they're very porous. I mean, they've, it, it's almost like they've been woven, you know, very coarsely. So you can easily, you know, put your fingers through the holes. I mean, I can get my entire wrist through the hole here. So they're really nice in terms of providing weight, but they're very cool. So I generally use, I generally use the tinsel one in the summer when it's really hot because not only is it porous but the fabric is really cool to the touch the velvet or the cotton one i tend to use when it's a little bit colder now you can have this blanket on you and be under sheets or under a, a duvet you can also fold the blanket so maybe it only covers your legs and it was interesting we, we talked about restless leg syndrome earlier in the show there's not a lot of scholarship on that. I was really surprised when I started looking at it. I thought there would be a lot more about anecdotally using weighted blankets because a lot of patients who use it will say, I like weight on my legs. They use heavy bedding, weighted blankets. They stick their legs under their partner's legs. They use something to push. They just like the feeling of weight. I'm sure I've, I've relayed this story. One of my patients told me one time, I would just, I dream about lying down on the box spring and having my partner put the mattress completely on top of me, like having this weight over my entire body. And I will tell you a secret. When I sleep with the weighted blanket, I sleep completely under it. My entire body is covered, even my head. I just get under the entire thing and it's no problem. Breathing is not a problem. You don't even know it's there because there's so much air coming through the holes of the blanket. So everybody interacts with them differently. So there was one study, it was called Weighted Blanket Therapy for Periodic Limb Movement Disorder, a case report highlighting improved sleep quality and reduced symptoms. My guess is over the next five years, there will be much more of this to come because I think it's a fantastic therapy. And again, 
patients kind of lead you in that direction. So I talk to all my restless leg patients and say, look, there are some wonderful FDA approved medications. We've talked about that in the restless leg episode of the show. However, you may find a lot of benefit with a blanket at night. And maybe it's not even something you have to use every night. So I don't use mine every night, but I go through stretches where um, it's, it's, it's used quite a bit. And um, so anyway, I, I think they're kind of fantastic. So um, I really appreciate Barbie for sending me all their goodies, including look at this tiny little ball. If you're looking at the YouTube page, they sent me this tiny little knotted ball about the size of a baseball. They make a big pillow. That's really cool. If you've got that mid-century modern look going on in your house, it's kind of fun to sleep with the pillow, but this is a great little stress ball and thing to play around with. And for people with restless leg, they often have little nervous movements and things like that, like to move their hands. So I appreciate Barbie for sending us the blankets. Just another quick tip. People ask, you know, what do I they come in different weights. What what do I choose? Barabies come in weights somewhere between 10 to 25 pounds. The rule of thumb is usually 10% of your body weight. I tend to go higher. I like them really heavy. I mean, so heavy that it's kind of an effort to roll over from one side to the other. I think with little ones, we've talked about the importance that until a child can really control their body and control their head, Weighted blankets are probably not for little children. So you may want to err on not using them for the littlest ones. And as kids get a little bit older, lighter and making sure that they're okay with that, that weight. Pa patients with limited mobility, Parkinson's patients, we also want to be very careful with those as well too. As sometimes Parkinson's patients have told me, even if a bed is just a little too soft, when my medications wear off and my Parkinson's, you know, uh, stiffness and, and lack of mobility starts to kick in, it's hard for me sometimes to get up and get out of bed. So we want to be very careful with that as well, too. So that's it. Weighted blankets, give them a try. We'll talk a little bit about them this week and, and I'll post some stuff on my social media about them. Do you use one? What are your thoughts about them? How often are you using it? What kinds do you use? What weight is preferable to you? We'll, we'll talk all about that in future episodes. So uh, that's it. Chris Winter, DR Chris Winter, Instagram, DR Chris Winter, Twitter. My books are The Sleep Solution and The Rested Child. You can find us on YouTube. Thanks for listening. Enjoy your weighted blanket. And until next week, sleep well.